What a blessing you are to us, Hallie. Hallie's a student at the University of Mary Hardin Baylor, and we love you and all that you do here in the life of our church. Thank you so much for singing so beautifully for us today. Aren't we a blessed church to be next door to the University of Mary Hardin Baylor? What a great blessing that university brings to us. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, the second chapter of Ephesians. We continue our series in what every Christian should know. We began by talking about what uh, are you a Christian for certain? And then what should every Christian know about the Bible, about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about how to grow, uh, about prayer, about baptism, about the church, about Lord's Supper, about missions, and all those many subjects. And today, what every Christian should know about grace. The word grace is used over 130 times in in the Bible. And apart from the words God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, I don't think there is a more important word in Scripture than the word grace. Without grace, we are all hopelessly lost. The Bible says that God is a holy God. Sin cannot exist in His presence. We are all sinners. The Scripture tells us that, and we know that by experience. We cannot save ourselves, the Scripture tells us. We cannot take away the stain of sin. So we have a big problem. But God himself provided the answer to our problem. He provided the answer that we need in Jesus. And we read about it so beautifully in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And I would ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's beautiful word. Ephesians The second chapter, beginning with verse 1, and the Scripture says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the Spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of death and of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us In Christ Jesus, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. 
And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I hope you can see in these verses the overwhelming love of God for our souls. You may be seated. A few moments ago we sang Amazing Grace. It is perhaps the most famous and beloved hymn ever written. Many of you know the story written by John Newton. Newton was a profane, hard-drinking, hard-living slave trader, slave ship captain. God spoke to his heart. He gave his life to Christ and later in his life became a pastor in Alney, England. And in a small cemetery next to the parish church that he pastored in Alney stands a granite tombstone with this inscription. John Newton, clerk pastor, once an infidel and libertine, a servant of slavers in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. That is truly amazing grace. William Cooper, as a six-year-old, lost his mother. She passed away. And the family sent young William off to a boarding school. And as time passed by, he became more and more angry and more and more depressed. He rejected God. He threw away his Bible and lived in darkness and despair. He once tried to commit suicide and thought about it on many other occasions and lived in darkness and despair. For 18 consecutive months, he was witnessed to by a Christian doctor. And William Cooper read Romans chapter 3. And after reading Romans chapter 3, as the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart, William Cooper, now an adult, gave his life to Christ. And in the passing of time, William Cooper moved to Alney, England, and he became a member of the church pastored by John Newton. Cooper was a poet and a songwriter, and he wrote on one occasion these words with which we are very familiar. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. That, my friends, is grace. That is amazing grace. I stand looking at people this morning who have incredible testimonies, having come from many diverse backgrounds. Many of you grew up in Christian homes. 
You had a mom and a dad who loved Jesus, took you to church, taught you, and you became a Christ follower as a child or as a teenager. And you remember that you were saved not because you grew up in a Christian home, not because mom or dad knew Jesus, but you were saved by grace in Christ alone. Many others of you have quite a different testimony. You have known the darkness of life, walking in darkness for a long time, whereas others may have called some of you a good boy or a good girl as you grew up. There are some of you about whom very few would have said that, and your testimony is one filled with darkness and rebellion against God. But there came that day when the Spirit of God spoke to your heart, And you gave your life to Christ and you too were saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. In fact, every person in this room who is saved was saved in the same way. You may not have the same testimony. You may not have the same background. But every person in this room who has been saved has been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. Every single one of us. So as we think this morning about what every Christian needs to know about grace, I want us first of all to understand that grace has a definition. Grace has a definition. Grace is God's unmerited favor. God's unmerited or undeserved favor poured out upon you. Philip Yancey, prolific author, said of grace in his definition, a grace is a gift that costs everything for the giver and nothing for the recipient. And how true grace, a free gift of God. You do not deserve grace. You cannot earn grace. If grace can be earned, or if grace can be deserved, then it is no longer grace. You cannot earn grace. You are totally without merit. Why are we so undeserving? Go back and read again verses 1, 2, and 3. And there Paul gives to us a full-length portrait of the person Without Christ, and such a person was once you. These verses destroy the notion that man is basically good with just a few flaws. That view, listen to me carefully, that view is man exalting. That viewpoint is man exalting. Grace is God exalting because God does it by grace through faith in Christ alone. He does it. He saves us. I cannot save myself. I do not save myself, but God saves me by grace in Christ alone. Sin causes death, according to the first verse, spiritual death. A dead body is lifeless. It gives no response. 
It does not see, it does not hear, it does not speak, it does not move. That is a dead body. In the same way, we who are lost are spiritually dead. And what we need is not a resuscitation. What we need is a resurrection. And the Holy Spirit does that. Sin destroys and the consequences may vary but sin destroys consequences may vary for example the consequences of committing the sin of murder are far more severe than the consequences of stealing some of the office supplies at the place where you work and bringing them home for your own personal use the consequences are quite different yet we know the scripture tells us that sin destroys sin is a result of disobedience to god that does not mean that lost sinners do only evil things we know that's not true but it does mean that lost sinners cannot do anything to earn or merit redemption salvation by works is kind of like you or I trying to get to the other side of the Leon River by jumping from one side to the other. The youngest, most athletic, most physically fit, strongest young person in this room may be able to jump a little farther than I am able to jump or some of you are able to jump. But if we decide to jump across the Leon River, especially in its swollen state this week, we're all going to end up in the same place. We're going to end up wet from head to toe in the river. Such is the one who tries to earn salvation. There are some who may live a better life than me, and they may think I'm doing well on earning my salvation, but the Scripture lets us know We cannot be saved by our good works. And though you may outjump me in trying to earn salvation, you're going to end up in the same place I end up, and that is, proverbially speaking, wet from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet in the river of lostness. Everyone needs Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. We need the grace of God. And all of us have sinned. But, did you notice in verse 4? I love the biblical conjunctions. But. Verses 1 through 3 are a description of a person lost and separated from God. But, verse 4 says, Did you notice it? Look at it again. Verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God. And so the second thing that I want us to remember this morning about grace is this. Grace can be described. Grace has a definition. Grace can be described. If I may borrow from John Newton, the one word descriptor for grace 
is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. You ever stop to reflect on just how amazing it is? Amazing grace. I know I've said this a few times through the years. Um, probably after 30 years, you've heard it more than once. I'm, I'm not real sure who the guy was in those pictures that, that they showed this morning. I am, I knew that you were going to celebrate my 30th anniversary, but I'm not sure who that was. The older I get, the more I believe that you can't separate amazing and grace. It's one word. Amazing grace. How sweet, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Grace can be described. You cannot save yourself or earn your way to God. All religions in this world are based on either grace or works. And real biblical Christianity alone is by grace through faith. All other religions are based on works, leaving a person lost. It's not by works. It's not by grace plus works or anything else. It is by grace and grace alone through faith in Christ alone. Anything else is exhausting and without effect. So grace can be described. The third thing that I want us to remember today that every Christian should know about grace is grace has a source. Grace has a source. The Bible tells us that this grace is a gift of God. So God is the source. And it is because of his great love, this chapter tells us, that is the reason. God is the source. His love for us is the reason for his grace. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And John writes in 1 John chapter 4, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Grace has a source. The source is God himself. The reason is his immense love for your soul and for mine. Paul writes very descriptively in verses 1 through 3. Quite frankly, they are not the most pleasant verses in the world for us to read. They are very descriptive. And in verses 1 through 3, Paul vividly reminds us, never forget who you were. Do not ever forget 
who you were. But then he reminds us, never forget who saved you, nor why he saved you. Grace has a source. It is God, and the reason is his love. He saves us not because of our goodness, not because of our intellect, or any other trait. It is by grace which comes from his great love for us. Again, that's why grace is God exalting, not man exalting. Now, there's a fourth thing that I want us to remember about grace, that every Christian should know about grace, and that's this. Grace does something to you, doesn't it? (laughs) Grace does something to you. Oh, my Every person in this room ought to be thinking, yes, it does. Grace does something to you. The focus is on God. If I hurt you in some way, forgiveness has to come from you because you are the offended. Otherwise, there's no forgiveness. My sin offends a holy God. Forgiveness comes only through Him. By grace. In mercy, He gives me not what I deserve. In grace, He gives me what I do not deserve. Forgiveness and eternal life. I cannot tell you how many times people have said to me in contemplating Christ, I just need some more time to get my act together. And when I get my act together, then I'll come to God. No, you never will get your act together. You need Jesus now by grace through faith. Then let him give you his Holy Spirit that he promised and the Holy Spirit will work in you to do that so-called work of getting your act together. He will make you the man or the woman he desires you to be. It is by grace through faith in Christ alone. As we look at these verses and think about what grace does to us, we see in verse 5 that he says he makes you alive. The, 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 the spiritual corpse is resurrected, comes to life making every salvation a miracle. The the story of the eight-year-old raised in church who gives his heart to Jesus and the story of the 88-year-old who in the latter part of his life gives his heart to Jesus after walking far away from him. Both of those are miraculous stories because both in both instances the dead has been made alive. Every salvation is a miracle. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Miraculous. He is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Verse 6 says, he exalts you. That's what grace does. He exalts you. Wow. Wow. That sounds wonderful. He he raises you. 
You are exalted with Him. You are seated with with Him in the heavenly places. And one of these days, that will be an amazing, full-fledged reality as you see Jesus face to face. Not only that, but it says in verses 7, 8, and 9, He keeps you. Oh my. Oh my. It is God's grace that keeps you. Aren't you thankful? How many times did you try to let go? How many times in your sin could God have said to you, I'm done with you, but He didn't. He held on to you by His grace. He keeps you. That's what grace does to you, keeps you for all eternity. We are saved by grace. We live by grace. And we are kept by grace. Now, the, the fifth thing that every Christian ought to know about grace is this. Grace must be received. Grace must be received. Must be. Received through faith. I place my faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. By grace through faith. By grace through faith. I must receive that grace for myself. God gave Jesus to die in our place. God's heart is broken by our sin. He, he does not ignore our sin. He responds to it with the gift of, of Jesus and the cross. We receive the gift by faith. Place your trust in Jesus alone. Grace alone through faith alone. If you haven't done it, Today, today, today is the day. Receive that gift of God. Now, we're almost done. The sixth thing that we ought to know about grace is this. Grace works in you. So, grace does something to you, but grace also works in you. Look again at the the tenth verse. For we are God's handiwork. We are God's handiwork. His grace does something in us. Salvation is not the end, but the beginning of the story. God is not finished with you yet. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and he came forth bound in his grave clothes, Jesus said, loose him and let him go. And it is that same power that raised Lazarus that is at work in you as God's handiwork. And here is what he's doing. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Here's what else He's doing as handiwork in your life. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That is the handiwork that God is doing in your life right now. Grace works in you. Lastly, number seven, God works 
through you. Look again at verse 10. We're God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God works through you. Works that result from salvation. We're not saved by good works. We are saved to good works. Prepared in advance. In other words, God has had a plan for your life from eternity past. And he is working in you now by his grace. Isn't that amazing? God can take a sinful man like me, wash me in the blood of Jesus, put his spirit in me, and then make me worth something. That's grace. Remember, our worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace, and your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. That's what every Christian should know about grace. Let's bow our heads together. In a moment, we will stand and Brother Gary will lead us in singing a hymn of invitation, an invitation that is to the heart of the man or the woman, the boy or the girl here this morning who's not yet trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord. The Spirit of God is speaking, tugging, drawing you this morning. You sense it and you know it. And so in a moment when we stand, will you come and place your hand in mine and say, I need Jesus. There will be a member of our staff who will pray with you. And this morning, by grace, through faith in Christ alone, you can come into a personal saving relationship with God. So in a moment, will you come? And for all of us in this room who've already made that decision, perhaps recently or perhaps many, many, many years ago, will we voice this morning our gratitude, our thankfulness, our appreciation, to God for His amazing grace. And we do, Father, thank You for Your amazing grace. Without Your grace, we would not have a chance. Thank You for Your amazing grace. Now may the Spirit draw someone to Yourself this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand and sing.